Welcome to Season 10 of Rated Radio with your hosts Lexi Ray and S-Dub. If you're new here, we're about to rate something the kids are listening to these days before we get into the artist matchup you came for. And we're going to do some storytelling in the middle to keep things interesting. So be sure to like and subscribe, give a five-star rating or whatnot. Basically, let us know we're making your day less dull. With that, Ray, what Billboard hit were we dumb enough to listen to? We were dumb enough to choose I Used to Be Young by Miley Cyrus. Yeah, now when you wrote me, you wrote When I Was Young. And I, it did, con- I did. And confused the absolute I'm piss out of me. so sorry, because I went back and I was like, I told him the wrong thing, but you're you're a smart enough man. I knew yeah. you would figure it out. I, and I did. And what do you think of the song? Man, Miley has come full circle with this one. Since I grew up in the Cyrus era from the beginning to now, I can safely say that this one reminds me a lot of her debut, The Climb. And while Miley takes this journey of the highs and lows of her youth and where she is now, her raspy vocals still continue to shine. I gave it five luxurious stars. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, This is a low-hanging fruit sort of five stars Uh, for the most part. I'm not mad at that, especially considering that I'm something of a Miley fan. I think her trajectory is an undeniable and lasting star in the pop music world is, well, undeniable. I (laughs) already said it, but... Uh, my biggest gripe with the song itself is that pointless, almost annoying refrain. Normally a perfect place for some of the most intense lyrics, and she uses it as an opportunity to simply wail. Otherwise, this is a song I'd happily listen to again, even if for me it's never going to pack quite the emotional punch I suspect it was intended to. Listen to the climb, man. Hearing 12-year-old Miley Cyrus, I don't think she was 12. She may have been 12. Sing, I would hope not. Sing about how she's going to make it. She's just going to get there. The song really builds, you know, the climb. Okay. You got it. Okay. One of these days, I'm sure I'll have to <laughs> on the podcast, no doubt. Anyway, for now, let's roll the intro. And hopefully you enjoyed the shortened version of the intro there. We're going to Play a little less music to, mm. to on, turn on a music podcast. We're gonna play a little less music. Turn everyone away. You know, yeah. I just feel like it goes on too long I sometimes. Agree. I agree. Uh, who are we covering first? The this first, is this is your season, by the is. way. So you're, season ten, baby, you, my season. You handpicked everything. I did. This is Sh- Shane's season of hell. Anyway, so the first artist that I chose was Bleachers. And the first album that we covered by Bleachers was Strange Desire from 2014. This was my middle album. This was my top album. I gave it five fives out of 11 tracks. Ten. Oh, okay. I have a feeling I know which one you didn't give a five to, but (laughs) we carry on. Um, Top track for me was Roller Coaster. I agree. And my bottom track was I Am Ready to Move On. Also agree. <laughs> there we go. That Yoko Ono man, I, I just could have, I could have done without her. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it as much as I thought I was going to. It just didn't hit for me. Speaking and I mean, of... the, the fact that you put a, an I'm ready to move on thing in multiple discs here. I mm-hmm. mean, you're reprising something. You don't have to reprise it. Yeah. We we already went there. We did it. If yeah. you If you could feel like you didn't get it right the first time. Pick one. I am ready to move on. The irony, <laughs> I guess, is escaping them. Yeah, no, I, I think it's intentional. But So what I thought of the album, this is an indie rock band with a cool sound. Bleachers makes a valiant contribution to music with this one. The music gives callback to other interesting sounds straight out of the 80s. This album has a vibe of making the listener feel like they're in constant motion. 
I would even go so far as to say that it makes me feel like I'm running the New York City streets at night, living my best Nick and Nora life with my own infinite playlist. This disc is a vibe made up of familiar modern soundscapes such as Imagine Dragons or Angels and Airwaves, sometimes even The Killers, while also offering that 80s big city night drives with the windows down sort of float you get from Mike and the Mechanics and Tears for Fears. Some of it's overly simplistic to the point of lyricless choruses, but I still really enjoy hearing this sound. And I am so happy to hear that. Moving on to the next album that we covered by Bleachers. It was their Gone Now album from 2017. This was my bottom album. Middle. I gave it four fives out of 12 tracks. Seven. My top track was Don't Take the Money. I agree, but I have to say Let's Get Married and Mm -hmm. Nothing Is You are also great. You corny little shit, you. I also loved Let's Get Married. Um, bottom track for me is Foreign Girls. I feel that. I went with Dream of Mickey Mantle. I went with Dream of Mickey Mantle. Sorry, I slurred that together. Dream of Mickey Mantle. Uh, I also agree. I was not a huge fan of Dream of Mickey Mantle. For some reason, I thought it was another song in my head, and I got really excited when I saw the name. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this song. And I clicked it, and I was like, oh, I. it's okay. It was better on subsequent listens. It just... Never never got there. Yeah. Not like Don't Take the Money. Yeah. And which you actually yeah, introduced I've, me to that song. I've talked about that one, yeah. Yeah. While opting to add a little more experimentation here, they still managed to stay true to their own electronic jazz element with the inclusion of strange beats, more horns, and a slower pace. While some songs lack the infectious peppiness of the last album, it's a standalone piece like a planet that's just a part of a larger solar system. As much as I like portions of this LP, the comparisons to other outfits are almost comically pertinent. It also leans a bit more into the realm of AJR and The Cure than I'd prefer. They do a better job of crafting choruses and more unique melody work here. Uh, But outside of a few true standouts, this gives me, a listener, heavy imposter syndrome anxiety. While I tend to dig a degree of imitation, this can be too heavy-handed. It's Imagine Dragons and AJR trying to be the killers. Wow. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not offended. I'm in agreement. Yep. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't as big of a fan. It just. It had some real good standouts. Like, don't take the money. Um, I think there were a couple more in there. Um, but off the top of my head, I'm just like, you did really good on those couple little fewer songs. Mm-hmm. But as as a whole album, yeah, it's it's lacking a little for me. Yeah. Moving on to our last album by Bleachers, it's Take the Sadness at a Saturday Night from 2021. This was my top album. Bottom. I gave it six fives out of ten tracks. Seven. Okay. I still liked it. Don't get it twisted. All right. My top track was Chinatown. Agreed. And my bottom track was 45. 91. The first first one on the album. Mm Mm-hmm. So 45, I made a note here. It sounds like Dark Side of the Moon for just a minute. I think it's the intro. It literally sounds exactly like Dark mm-hmm. Side of the it Moon. It does. What's the song? Uh, is it On the Run or something like that? By I, Sweet. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Uh, it's the it's one of the parts of Dark Side that I really don't like. Um, I can't think of what it's called because I'm not as Dark Side obsessed as most people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those instrumental bags pretty early in the album. Anyway, go ahead. So back to Take the Sadness at a Saturday Night. 
Touching back to their original sound here, while they add a little bit more 80s magic. Saxophones and even some Bruce Springsteen collabs. I said that wrong. I said Springsteen. Um, Spruce Springsteen? That's what I said. I said Bruce Bruce Springsteen instead of Springsteen. No, I call him Spruce. Spruce Springsteen. <laughs> We're saying Bruce Springsteen. I did it again. Anyway. <laughs> uh and even a Bruce Springsteen collab, these Jersey boys are sticking together and making good music. This album is grander and even includes other collabs with Lana Del Rey. This was my intro to Bleachers and will always hold a special place for me. Most everything I said about the other discs applies here, only this is vastly more downbeat than you're likely anticipating coming off those previous albums. The Copeland fan in me wants to obsess over this, but it's not nearly as intricate or interesting to me as Copeland is. Throw some Bob Dylan spice in the mix, make it basic, and you get this. Okay, moving on to the facts. <laughs> basic. Uh, so I, said, I said what I said. I know you said what you said. Anyway, uh... Like I said, these are New Jersey boys. The band Bleachers was actually founded in 2013. They are a New Jersey band. You may recognize Jack Antonoff. This is his band. He it was uh, a part of the band Fun, and they had hits uh, We Are Young, um, Some Nights. Some Nights I'm Staying. Yeah, no. Pe- people only know We Are Young. I know. I don't know why I always I picked that one to sing. That's a you know, it's probably not true for listenership clicking on this. Let know. us know. Let us know on whatever you're listening this on. They had twelve hits, okay? <laughs> he was also part of the band called uh Steel Train. His influence includes a lot of the music featured on a lot of John Hughes films, and I think that that definitely shows. Um and he actually goes by Bleachers. He's a one-man band. He travels with a bunch of different people um, for tours, but he's a one-man band, and um, the name Bleachers actually comes from... Uh, he thought it was a cool name for an album, and everybody assumed that he it was a self-titled album, so mm. they started calling him Bleachers, and he thought it was the coolest thing ever and just decided not to change it, so... Yep. I'm glad that mystery was solved because I was very curious. <laughs> and I'm not being facetious. I was genuinely curious how we got to Bleachers mm-hmm. as a name. Just thought it was cool. So uh, any artists that I mention in the album reviews here, I think if you like those artists, you're probably going to like this artist. And the other similar sounding type of artist I'd throw into the mix would be Billy Joel, Mumford & Sons, and Codaline. The music makes me feel like I'm drinking a good musical smoothie like a really good musical smoothie that's got seeds in it. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? You <laughs> it's hit, almost perfect. You hit the seed every now and then. Sometimes you hit a lot of seeds. I don't, you know. nah, dep- depends on what kind of fruit you're adding. That's a raspberry and a blackberry. You're fucked. The Mickey Mantle fruit. All right. <laughs> a former guitarist and drummer for the group Fun, Antonoff is certainly making some gold at times with bleachers. And the dude has producers, songwriter credits, 100 miles long. While I think his influences are too on his sleeve and that his lyricism sometimes comes up short, I think the same thing about lots of musicians I otherwise adore. Not the biggest fan, but I think there's way more potential here than with the likes of, say, Panic at the Disco, AJR, etc. So I'll continue listening to Bleachers going forward. And don't come at me, I know I just said Panic at the Disco. I'm screaming internally. The shit just feels tired at this point. There. And 
That should be wrong of me to even say, because where Panic started, the sound they moved to, and where he's at now and what he's producing, I just feel like the last few albums have been derivative, which is cool because I think he found his sound. It's just he had like two or three other sets of sounds that also worked. I was not the biggest fan of the newest album at all, actually. Yeah. If I'm ranking them, the Death of a Bachelor album would be my favorite, but those mm-hmm. albums... We still haven't covered my favorite. Anyway, we, we were I know talking, which one your favorite is. We were talking about bleachers, um, so I apologize for <laughs> derailing that train. Teach I, you to bring up Panic at the Disco when we're talking about someone else. It was a good listen. Mm-hmm. I could say that much. Let's uh, Let's take a break. And we're back. The first and we're back of season 10. So, Shane, we uh, we had a list. What, what was our list this episode? Uh, you said cringiest songs. I was thinking, what songs or subjects, topics would be appropriate for me? And I thought, top cringiest songs, you know? It just It's like peanut butter and jelly. Me and cringe, we go hand in hand. Uh... <laughs> No comment. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, I gotta gotta burn myself. Not that I have room to talk. So no, you don't. It's a uh, table of cringe. Cringe. So uh, for my pick, I actually went with "Never Feed the Animals" by Neon North. Now, while most of you may not understand my reasoning for picking that song, because it doesn't, it's not one of those that comes to mind as far as cringe. Um, little personal note, there have been two songs that have been popping up on my Echo. I, cha- I had to change the name, and I'm not going to say the actual name of the Amazon device because I don't want everyone's, uh, whatever you're listening <laughs> uh, to this on, to go nuts, so you're welcome. I uh, Two songs have been stuck on my Amazon Echo, and this is one of them. I don't know how it happened. Uh, anytime I set an alarm for anything... A reminder for anything. For some reason, my Echo thinks that this is the song that needs to be played. Um, I have never put a song to any of my alerts. It's usually just the generic that boop, 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 you know, whatever. But for some reason, it has developed a mind of its own. And I cringe every time I hear this song because it always reminds me of how I have no idea how it got there. And I don't know how to remove it. I have tried. I am unsuccessful. So that is the reason why this is my pick for top cringiest songs. I think you just told everyone that you're a IT team's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I don't am. even know why. I don't even know what I did. Music. How I, do I make it stop? Oh I my God. Unplugged it and plugged it back in and it still didn't work. I just can't even adjust it in the app. It drives me nuts. Hmm. So every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh God. It, it's the, it's the, I'm defeated. It's the thing that has defeated me, and now it is mocking me continuously. I unplugged my Echo years ago and have not plugged it back in. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Listen I don't in. want... Listening. Yeah, the fewer listening devices, the better. I know I'm still being listened to constantly by this phone, mm-hmm. but and who fuck knows what else. But that's a more practical, uh, I guess, item that, that you, you see more use out of, so you haven't gotten rid of it. Yeah, some of it comes down to as well... Man, when the kids would come over, like my nieces and nephews, 
Oh, oh my god! I remember you telling me about it. that. Would it? That I mean, my kids at your house just changing the lights and shit. No, oh, just too. I can't live with that. <laughs> yeah. It can't be a constant. Yeah, it is. It is rather. And much. I'd, I'd get drunk on a weekend, wake up, you know, the wife, like, <laughs> she comes in, what are you doing? You can't tell? I'm fucking having a good conversation with the Echo here. Mm-hmm. And now they put all those fucking games on there, like, go through the magic door, and you you got, I play song quiz on there all the time. I'm a nerd. I need to get friends. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe I should unplug mine. My two. You dumb do as you. hell, though. You do you. Anyway. Sounds like you have plenty of use from them. So yeah. Anyway, what was your story for cringiest songs? The song I went with was Let Me Suck Them Titties, Babe. <laughs> <laughs> I sang that completely wrong. I got headphones on. It's, okay. it's weird. Uh, yeah, Let Me Suck Them Titties, Baby by Thirst Pro. Okay. So a common theme you're apt to notice if looking at my full playlist is that these are songs I actually listen to for the most part. Albeit there are definitely exceptions looking at you whole lot of choppers. Oh. Also on my playlist, by the way. Anyway, I recently used this Suck Them Titty song in an Instagram share, which had you show a picture of yourself at 21. It was a picture of me at IHOP sitting with a girl named Candace who has massive tits, which I appeared to be moving in on. Uh, being a long-established idiot, I shared the story to Facebook as well and got the inevitable pearl-clutching message from an elder chastising me along the lines <gasps> of Shane... Your wife had a double mastectomy last year. You can't be sharing stuff like that. And how would you feel if that girl shared a picture of you like that with a song saying you used to suck them titties? Firstly, yes, I can share stuff like that. It's called humor. Get used to it. Uh, Secondly, I never actually sucked Candace's titties. And that is what makes it funny. Something my wife would even agree with. (laughs) That having been said... Uh, This story is obviously masking some extreme trauma on my end. So if there's anyone out there who'd like to help brighten the outlook of my unfair life, all you've got to do is just let me suck them titties, baby. Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I saw that and I saw your your song and I was like, there is Shane's on a Shane shoot again. Mm hmm. Choo choo. Shane's on the shit train. Catfish Billy. Mm hmm. I, I have learned that we share a mutual loving ironic songs unironically. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of the cringiest thing about us both. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. You love it. You hate it. It's real. It's not real. Mm hmm. Um, reality is fucked up. Sometimes I find myself wondering, am I living for the life that I'm actually moving around in and living or am i living for like what goes on in my head or the video games or the movies like what are you having a good time wherever you are yeah oh i'm well then just continue to what is the blue pill or the red pill keep continue to keep living in the simulation shane as long as you're having a good time it's just interesting i take the blue pill when i'm awake and when i'm asleep if you will or Mm -hmm. you know i'm taking the red yeah anyway let's go talk about fiction factory feel like we just both had a bit of an existential crisis just <laughs> i'm all right <laughs> so i'm pretty good actually it does feel like there's a bunch of shit happening outside of these headphones i can't tell what i think i'm just hearing I things think you're just paranoid moving on fiction factory the first album that we covered by them was throw the warped wheel out from 1984 this was my top album okay so there are only two albums we're covering by this artist worth noting yes um 
the last album is a best of. And I was born in 1984. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. This came out when you were just a little baby. This was my bottom album. Oh, I'm not surprised. I gave it four or fives out of 15 tracks. Me too. <laughs> At 10, actually, but yeah. A 10? No, 10 tracks. Not 15. You listened to five tracks too many. I did. That's all. I did, but it wouldn't change anything. Enjoy yourself. I will. I'm, I'm living my best life. My top track was Feels Like Heaven. Duh. Ghost of Love. My, I will say that my honorable mention, which I almost put down, but I just, I love Feels Like Heaven. I get it. Um, was Panic. Uh, that was my runner up. I, I really like, liked yeah. that song. My bottom track was I Who Know You. Hit the mark. Okay. Like a strange combo of a lot of different 80s bands, such as Talking Heads, Depeche Mode, The Cure, ABC. Fiction Factory is actually a Scottish new wave pop rock band that is often remarked as being a one-hit wonder, which was Feels Like Heaven. Their very swayable electronic rock is enticing in the 80s and cheesiest of ways. All right, I like the... The group comparisons there for sure. This is a tough review to write. On one hand, the group's dancey yet complex instrumentation is impressive. As is much of the vocal charisma, both are unmistakably good. Someone's always going ham as far as the instrumentals go, which I dig. On the other hand, the group struggles hard with catchy choruses at times, and their overall sound is so samey from track to track that it's almost immediately tired. Even the big hit here quickly runs out of steam for me beyond a few minutes of playtime. Inspired, yet middling. Okay, moving on to their next album that we covered. It's Another Story from 1985. This was my bottom album. This was my top album. <laughs> Never ceases to amaze me. I gave it one five out of ten tracks. Ten. The first perfect rating of season ten. Yeah, in your season. You got in my one. Season. And on Fiction Factory, of all things so far. I I thought it would have been bleachers, but you continue to surprise me. They came close. Yeah, they did. You were one track short. Damn, Yoko. Here you go fucking up shit again. <laughs> anyway. My top track was Lose Your Heart in Nature. Completely agree. And my bottom track was No Time. Make Believe. While the last album held a sense of dreaminess, this one goes the more upbeat route. I keep getting different inspirations from all sorts of similar and not at all similar bands like Lionel Richie, George Michael, even uh, Vince Neil uh, vocals from Motley Crue, and even Prince. Don't get me wrong, they still have those Cure undertones, but maybe if The Cure woke up and actually took their antidepressants that day, <laughs> while not the strongest ever, I will give them some generous creativity points. You've been around me too long. You're, you're being critical of The Cure, which I like. Don't come at me. I'm leaning into Jeez. it, man. I enjoy The Cure, but uh, they it's a, it's a fact that they have depressed undertones. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well... Didn't see this coming. Uh, here you've 80s quirk turned up to 11. Probably the nearest you'll hear New Wave come to prog rock. Each track is gloriously different, correcting every critique I had of their debut, while only adding negative in the form of infrequent repetition. A true gem which people could call many ugly things, I'm sure, but boring would never be among them. Moody, dissonant, energetic, and unpredictable. Fucking brilliant. All right. I'm already so happy, and the season's just starting. I feel like 
I feel like I'm going to really find you some shit that you actually like that you haven't given a chance before. I really do. <laughs> I have high hopes. Let uh, me be hopeful. Music makes me feel, by the way, like I'm stuck on repeat in San Junipero. You love that's your favorite Black Mirror episode. I know. It's it's kind of like the seeds in the smoothie. I'm, I mean, this, this matchup makes some sense in my head. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm having that seedy smoothie in San Junipero. You know what? Yeah, that's like... Those are minor inconveniences, man. Yeah. Minor. So, okay. All to right. be in like the best place ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the 80s. Uh-huh. That's so, exactly where I would probably go if I was in that episode. To give Antonoff credit, I think that basing an entire, you know, um, musical sound for <laughs> your group or whatever mm-hmm. around John Hughes films, mm-hmm. you know, that that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. So the last not actual really an album... <laughs> It's a best of album. It's Feels Like Heaven from 2013. This was my middle album. All right, well, you talk about it because I wrote you and said it's not I know, anything I co- but a greatest hit, so I didn't listen to it. I covered it anyway. <laughs> so um, just to simplify some things, I gave it three fives out of 14 tracks. My favorite track was The Warped Wheel, and my bottom track was I Who Know You. So this is just a simple collection of prior works that are mediocre at best, with very little original or new work here. They opt to cash in on a stroll down memory lane. The original songs that they did add left little to be desired, and I would strongly encourage they change the name to The Eight. <laughs> the Instead I- of The Best Of. Okay. The Best. <laughs> the Eight. So... Yeah, I wanted to cover it anyway um, because I noticed that there were a, a couple that didn't make the past two albums. Yeah. Uh, just a handful. But because congratulations, now you have gone through Fiction Factory's entire dis- discography because mm-hmm. they only have three albums and one of them is a best of. So yeah. thank you so much for taking this journey with us. If you would now exit the right of the plane and have a wonderful day. And for those of you still here <laughs> waiting on, you know, someone else to say something, here I'm we go. fucking with you. <laughs> the death knell for this group was poor choice of singles from their second album. And a few overly pompous critics taken seriously in spite of being blinded by their own preferential snobbery. Sad stuff too, since I think the second LP proved there was a ton of untapped creative potential within the group. Still, I'm happy to have what does exist and find it poignant to point out that they attracted talent from both Simple Minds and their largest admitted influence, OMD. That says plenty about the level of skill on display. Glad I got to experience them in full. Now that Raven has made clear that I did not experience them in full. <laughs> it's your own interpretation, man. Uh, but you walked away with a perfect rating. So I'm going to call that a win. Um, I could not find really anything about Fiction Factory other than like the bare minimum of these are the people that are in it. This is what when they got together. There's no super in- long, interesting facts about them that I could find. So unfortunately, I have come up short. Uh, and let you down there. Um, but I will say Fiction Factory gave a valiant effort. Ultimately, Bleachers pulled it out for me. I mean, they're, they they won it for me. I think I gave them almost double the amount of five. So it's not really fair if you only picked two albums to cover by Fiction Factory. But I did pick the three because I was curious to see what three albums and three albums actually looked like going up against each other. I am a 12-year-old. Um, 
you said words, and all I'm over here thinking is I wish the name of the, that group of bleachers was something else because you said bleachers pulled it out on me and <laughs> in my head. <laughs> like, okay, what would work? But I mean, anything really. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yes. Use his name. Antonov pulled it out on me. Yeah, I could say that, but I didn't. So, uh, and I, why should you? Because you're not 12 years old like I am. Yeah, no, not at all. I'm so mature. You don't even know. I got a mortgage. Someone gave me a mortgage. Bleachers won for me. If Fiction Factory had had more work, I'm uh-huh. not sure how that would have gone. Mm-hmm. But the same could be said of Bleachers since uh, the last album, the Take the Sadness Out of Saturday Night. It, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. I mean, it, it definitely had some Lana Del Rey downbeat stuff going mm-hmm. on, which I like a lot of Lana Del Rey downbeat stuff. I don't know, something about it, it didn't land for me. Sometimes it, it just gets too sleepy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like I could vibe to it, be drunk to it, be high to it, fuck to it. Nothing's really working for me. I could be bored to it. Yeah. But that's not the point of well, music. <laughs> I guess I guess it, it resonates with me or I have a bit of nostalgia for it. Because the first time I ever heard Bleachers, I was actually running the streets of New York at the time. Oh, okay. It's the first time I ever heard it at night. So it was a whole experience. It was pretty cool. I mean, I'm not saying like New York's the greatest place on the earth or anything, but I had a very good time running around literally in Little Italy and Chinatown at night, just hustle and bustle of people, meeting really good people. So it was cool. Sometimes I feel like you're making shit up. I'm and not. I know, I know you're not. I'm not. Just, <laughs> I hate you. I wish I, you were making this up. I play this fun game over here in my head. She ain't do this shit. She, she making shit up on me. Anyway, I ain't making it up. That bleachers one for you, right? Yes, bleachers one for okay. me. Okay. So can we tell the people what to expect next time around? Yes, we can. Would you like to do the honors or would you like me to? You go ahead. All right. So what you lovely listeners have to expect from the next episode of Rated Radio, we are actually going to be covering two female powerhouse groups of the late 80s and 90s and early 2000s. It is Salt and Peppa versus TLC. And the albums that we're going to be covering by Salt and Peppa are Hot, Cool, and Vicious from 1986, Very Necessary from 1993, and Brand New from 1997. And the albums that we're going to be covering by TLC are Ooh on the TLC Tip from 1992. What? Nothing. You still managed to say it weird. In my head, I kept thinking, she's going to come over here and go, oh, on the TLC (laughs) Tip. I'm like, no. Try again. But you still made it sound like E-W-W-W. Ew. (laughs) Oh. I think it's just like the way I said it. Like fucking Will I Am. And who's the dude that does the late? Is Jimmy Fallon? Jimmy Fallon. Ew. 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 Oh, oh, on the TLC tip from 1992, Crazy no, Sexy. No, now, now you did it. It's ooh. Ooh? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, on the TLC tip. This is fun. From 1992, you just have me going ooh, ew, in the mic. Yeah, having a blast. Next album that we covered was Crazy Sexy Cool from 1994. And the last album that we covered by TLC was Fan Mail from 1999. It's going to be an interesting episode, and we hope to see you all there. I ain't never been a silly home. Yeah, that's going to do it for now. Hit up our playlist, visit our shop, come find us online to get your voice on the show. Yes, you can still do that. Uh, thanks for tuning in to our 100th episode. What? 100th? 
100 episodes, dude. How have we not quit by now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't quit anything. We're stubborn as fuck, that's how. And until next time, fill your world with music. And if you get bored enough, uh, give us a listen. Tune in next episode and uh, take the sadness out of your Saturday night with us at Rated Radio. Thank you.